welcome hockey fans from Canada to Germany, from if you're in Sweden, if you're in Toronto, if you're in the United States, welcome to Game Over uh, International for the 2024 IIHF World Junior Hockey Championship, sponsored by SDPN and EP Ringside. Um, we have t- on today's show, on from the hockey news, Tony Ferrari on uh, as a last minute addition. Tony, welcome to Game Over. Bit more of a nail biter than we were expecting, even though the Toronto does Toronto. Wow, see, I'm conditioned. Uh, Canada comes out six three in what ended up being way more of a nail biter than I think we all expected until basically the last fifteen minutes. Germany not going quietly into the night. Uh, yeah, it was a uh, it was an interesting game because as someone who is writing quarterfinal previews, it wasn't fun seeing Germany almost ruin everything I wrote. Yeah, yeah, and and they got they they definitely came very close. They definitely fought all the way to the end, and they started it off uh, actually getting the very first goal only two minutes and fifty seven seconds in. And we are going to talk later in the show about the Connor Geeky penalty eleven seconds into the game, which led to his not playing in the game. Uh, like I said, we are going to talk about that more in the second half of the show because I imagine that'll be a lengthy conversation that we want to chat about. Um, right out of the gate, Germany putting up a good fight there leading scorer Julian Lutz who is the prospect of the Arizona Coyotes and one hell of a player like don't get me wrong I'm not usually one to follow German hockey but uh definitely noticeable on the German side today my goodness yeah Julian Lutz is kind of the last guy remaining from that few years of really good German hockey we had with Stutzla, Sider, Lucas Reichel and, and JJ Paterka Julian Lutz is the last kind of guy left over, and he's really shown up this year, done a really good job for Germany. Unfortunately, they will be in the relegation round against Norway, but this kid is hes a legit NHL prospect for the Coyotes, and uh, he'll be interesting to follow over the next couple of years. Definitely easy to see in today's game why he went 43rd overall. Uh, it seemed like every time he was on the ice, he was making something happen for Germany. He was far and away like their most offensive threat. He was getting the most space. He was making the best passes and having the most plays. And he is the person that puts Germany on the board first. Uh, Russo actually did a pretty good job keeping it only 1-0 towards the end of that Germany power play. Five minutes, which is a rough start. I mean, listen, especially after after Canada lost the other day to Sweden, you would think that Canada coming in was going to have a little bit more bite to start. But being handicapped right at the beginning of the game is a tough way to get going for any team, I would imagine. Yeah, we'll talk about the, whether it was a penalty or not in a little bit. But five minutes down on the penalty kill, it, it's a death sentence in, in a lot of games. This is this was one of those games where Canada really wasn't able to get going after that penalty kill for a little a little while. They took the two one lead, then they go down and they get tied, and then Germany takes a three, uh, uh, ties it up at three, and then you're like, what is happening? Is Canada really going to lose this game? Because it wasn't like it was 15 minutes in. It was right until the third period where Canada finally was able to start to pull away. And it felt like that the whole game. It it felt like the more the game went on, the better Germany was getting and the more confidence they were playing with. Like right out of the gate, like you said, it's uncommon for for five minute penalties to be issued in the first 15 seconds of any game, whether it's international or not. And so definitely a rough start for Canada, but Macklin Celebrini starting and ending it for, uh, for Canada today, getting Canada on the board a minute and 20 seconds after they actually finished killing that penalty off. Um, 
definitely keeping them in the fight, right? If Germany gets a second goal on that on that five-minute major, it's probably a different game, even though it felt way more lopsided than it kind of was, or it should have been, I suppose. Um, the Matt Poitras shot, Cowan's speed was just unbelievable tonight. Um, and then he draws a penalty. Canada was doing a really good job, even though they weren't as successful on the power play as Germany was tonight. One of the things I really noticed, and I'm sure you noticed the same thing, was how much they were compressing the German defense into a small area. And it it seemed like it was going to work until they kept trying to force these cross-crease passes for the one-timer from from the dot. Like, what do you see on that play? Are, are, are you also getting frustrated, like, watching from your couch being like, stop trying to force this? Yeah, it's one of those plays or one of those things where you watch it and you go, stop trying to pass the puck into the net. You're not going to score that way. Mm-hmm. I, I think you're the host of Game Over Toronto. There's lots of Leafs fans that are probably watching this game, uh, especially with Minton and Cowan involved. And yep. they're going, oh, man, this this feels like a Leafs power play from a few years ago. And even still today, when, when they start to struggle, this is what they do. You overpass the puck. You want to do something crazy. Make some. You want to make the perfect play rather than the play that's going to work. At the end of the day, you're going to just score some ugly goals. That Macklin Celebrini goal at the end of the game, yeah, it looks really pretty, but it's a result of a bunch of chaos happening and mm-hmm. Celebrini hitting the net when the goalie is outside of it. it. It's not always pretty. This game wasn't pretty. No. Canada needs to stop trying to be so dang pretty because – at the end, of the, this team isn't that. The, we we don't have Connor Bedard. We don't have some of these high high end, and high high end offensive talents. So you end up with these ugly, goofy scores like this one. And at the end of the day, it, it Canada just doesn't have that high end talent to make those pretty plays as much as they want to. Yeah, and and even though we have had players in the past that are able to make those kinds of plays. I totally agree with you. That shouldn't be your go-to. Like, if in the moment it happens and it happens to go in, great. But they were definitely overcomplicating it. And especially in the first period, you could see, and I thought even more so in the second period, that they were getting, like, visibly frustrated trying to get specific people to puck for specific plays. And you need to be a little bit more opportunistic, which is something that Germany was able to capitalize on tonight. Germany was very opportunistic and it's what kept them in the fight for the most part of the game. Um, Canada does actually end up getting a second goal in the first period. Braden Jaeger getting one from uh, Nate Danielson with 523 to go. The missed high stick on Minton. uh, I mean, we're going to talk about the penalties later on in the game, but the missed high stick on Minton, if that is called then, you know, then we go into the second period tied 1-1, and maybe the the Canadians have even left com- less confidence than they did, which, again, it it's, it's dazzling that Germany was able to put up such a fight. And I know that a couple years ago, Germany, like you said, was playing really hard and they had an excellent team, but I wasn't expecting... Germany to push back and be as opportunistic as they were tonight and like credit where credit's due like they they took the opportunities that Canada gave them and they made they made good on them um can we really briefly talk about Hoff going after Poitras like multiple times in this game <laughs> like that was it, it's one of these things where I think it's one of those plays where you choose a guy and you got to get after him you got to right. try to rattle his cage Matthew Poitras is supposed to be one of the best guys in this team He's produced, he had a good game today, but he hasn't really quite produced like it so far. Right. And get under his skin. Make sure he stays off his game. Don't let him get have his get-right game against you. And that's what the Germans tried to do today. I, I think they probably should have focused on Celebrini, who's 
very much been their best player despite being the youngest player on the roster and really their only consistent player. But yeah, this German club, they were going to have to fight tooth and nail to, to try to win this game. And honestly, I think it's less of a testament of like I, full credit to the German squad for doing what they did. But I think it's also a testament to just the Canadian club not being as strong as they have been in years past. Mm-hmm. This is a team that is good, not great. In my opinion, they're in the second tier of, of medalists, uh, medal contenders this year. I think you have USA and Slovakia, or USA and Sweden up top, and then you have Canada in that mushy mess with Slovakia, Czechia, and even Finland after their performance today against Sweden. So it's going to be interesting to see what what kind of works out towards the medal rounds and in these quarterfinals because Canada's going to end up playing a really good Czech team. Yeah, and I I totally agree with you in the fact that. It doesn't feel like it's the same kind of elite just inevitability that has been the case with Canada in the last couple of years. Um, Don't get me wrong. Like, if you're just looking at the product on the ice, like, if you weren't watching the score, Canada was the bigger team. They were getting some good opportunities. They were having pretty good, like, zone control in terms of, like, getting the puck and clearing it. But there was a lot of disconnection, a lot more than we've seen in years past. And I don't know if it's just like a different set of guys that maybe just aren't gelling the same way. Or you have a bunch of guys that are just maybe gripping their sticks a little too hard and trying too hard to to make the to make the the nicer or cleaner play. Um, whereas in seasons past, even though we've had players that have that level of elite talent, they're they're better in terms of capitalizing on those opportunities and not wasting them to try and get someone else the puck. Um, it was you know tight going into it was tight going into the game, tight going into this, the first intermission. Even though the shots were severely lopsided, thirteen to four, uh, you know Germany does get one of four in, so not a great statistic. Uh, but starting the second period, um, Warren gets a holding penalty a minute and twenty six seconds in. Germany capitalizes. Keisha goes up on a screen. Rosso he had a he had a he was having a rough game tonight, eh? Yeah. It- it was a tough game because you you watch the Germans' goals and you're like, well, yeah, that's maybe that's one that the goalie can kind of get forgiven for because of the screen. Nah, that's just a really good shot. At the end of the day, I mean, these fans know it. I'll, I'll reference that again. Sometimes you need a save. Sometimes you need the tip shot saved. And um, there's a goalie on waivers today that hasn't been doing that. And Canada's goalie today, as good as he's been through this tournament wasn't really the difference maker he was earlier in the tournament. And maybe that's just a testament to Canada kind of looking really bad on the back end today. They let a lot of guys free. They, they a lot of holding, clutching and grabbing. Noah Warren, Maverick Lamru, these guys in the back end. It's a lot of physicality, mm-hmm. not much puck moving, not much skill. And they're missing that with a guy like Tristan Luneau and Tanner Mullendyke, who were both out before the tournament started. So it, it's an interesting composition of defenders, and I think that's led to some pretty great A chances for the Germans, but y- you need to save once in a while. I'm glad you brought up that uh, there is a, uh, a goalie that does happen to be on waivers today. Um, it was definitely, it, it seemed more like as the game went on that Canada's defense was really struggling to close the gap to get possession back. Like once they had possession, it seemed like they were okay and they were able to clear it, but there was more than a couple times where they had, they, 
thought that they had the pass and it was actually going through to the German player behind them, right? So um, obviously with those losses before the tournament started, I'm sure that their defense was kind of shook up a little bit. But, you know, at this point, we're what, three games, four games in now and and we're getting to the elimination round and it's only going to get harder to play and the other teams are only going to be better. So I would imagine that if Canada plays the way that they did tonight, then they maybe are not victorious against Czechia on Tuesday. But let's finish the game before we start foreseeing the future, shall we? Um, Matt Quatras, even though he's hit into the boards a second time by Hoffman, uh, cross-checked 346 into the second period. He was having he had a couple opportunities tonight where it seemed like there was just so many times where the goalie is out of place, there's cluster in front of the net, and no person in a in a Canada jersey could bury it. Like, there must have been, what, half a dozen chances in the second period alone where the puck is either, like, very gently drifting through the crease or it's, you know, it's on the player's stick and instead of, you know, banking it in, they're, they're trying to do the fancy pass again. And it was really frustrating through the second period. Like, I mean, we, we end the second period tied it too in the shots are 25 to eight for Canada. Like there are so many times in that, in that period specifically where Canada should have been up three, four, five goals to two, to one. And it just, they just couldn't bury it, man. Just couldn't and, happen. And I think- and I think that's a testament to the Germans' defensive strategy of, like you mentioned, closing in on the on the goalie, yep. creating that box, keeping everyone outside. In yep. Canada, unfortunately, was happy to play on the outside. They didn't have that guy sitting at the back door to tap that puck in when it squeaked through the crease. They didn't have that guy ready for the rebound. And I think that was the big thing with Canada this in this game specifically, where this six three is the final. It's really a, probably a four three game, five three game. This this game should have been eight three nine three because Canada had those chances. They had those opportunities. There were pucks laying there, ready yep. to be buried in the empty net, and, and Canada wasn't in, in the position to do so because they were so so focused on passing that puck around the outside. They weren't getting it on the inside. Yeah, and it was those same mistakes that were leading to so many of the opportunities when Germany would get a power play, right? Like the defensive breakdowns were so evident in that. In that three of Germany's goals all come on the power play, right? And when you're when you start off the game, five minutes major, like not a good start. What should have happened is the coach, at least in the in the first intermission, should have gone on and said, okay, guys, well, if they're making good on these power plays, we need to play smarter. We need to make better decisions with our sticks. And even though there was a couple of penalties that were missed, there are penalties that get called, and Germany basically capitalized on every opportunities that they got, right? And even though it is a team where, on paper, Canada should be completely just dummying them, the the lack of defensive structure was really evident, and it's the reason that, that it was a nail biter all the way until basically 11 minutes left in the, in the third period. Um, there, one of the notes that I have pucks literally sitting on the line, unburied can't bury on so many chances. Um, it, it, Cowan couldn't get a shot. Matichuk couldn't get a shot. It was like, it was like everybody's taking like the grocery line number and like everybody's numbers being called and no one's going up to the counter. That's what it felt like. Yeah, it's really frustrating, and, and you mentioned the penalties there and Canada taking too many. It's been a, a, a theme for Canada throughout the history of time, really, at the World Juniors. Um, in Canada, everyone's always taught finisher checks, regardless of whether it takes you out of the play or regardless of whether it's a smart play to do it. it and you notice how many times in, the, in these IHIF tournaments 
uh, the World Juniors and the U18 specifically, that Canada ends up being the team that gives up so many power plays. Um, in this game, when you're the more skilled team, you should be getting more power plays because you should be the one blowing by defenders, forcing them to hook you, forcing them to trip you or or throw a knee out or do something stupid to, to give you a power play. Unfortunately, almost every game in this tournament, Canada has given up more power plays, including in this game where they gave up – both teams scored two power play goals. Um, Germany got five power plays, though. You can't go down – five down a man five times especially when one of them are five minutes it just it's not conducive just to, to success you're playing a third of the game or uh, a sixth of the game a fifth of the game on the power on the penalty kill you're not scoring goals that way two penalties alone right they get the five minute major and then they get a double minor later on in the game that's nearly a six of the game that you're going down by it like oh regardless of all of the other penalties that were called like nine minutes in any in any hockey game, regardless of who what crest is on the front, is too many by most team standards. And so, like you said, you couldn't have said I couldn't have said it any better. Um, as Canada is a team that has struggled with taking so many penalties, that should never have happened, especially when you start off the game um, the way that it did. And I would actually say there was a penalty earlier in the game or in the game that. I didn't think should have been called the uh, the high stick, the double minor that um, shouldn't have been a penalty that was called a double minor. The the follow through on the shot. Now, I guess the argument from the IHRF was that because he didn't touch the puck, it didn't count as a shot. But I don't know. Yeah, it's it's, it's a tough one. Well, what, what would what call would you have made in that situation? The IHF is always going to side on the side of safety. They've always done that. It's always been their thing. Um, When a guy whiffs on the puck when he doesn't touch it, is that a follow-through? Technically, no. Um, It has to be a a sent pass or a sent shot to be a follow-through. And when you're not sending one of those two things off your stick, then it's just you're careless with your stick and you're not control. The way I kind of see it is, if you don't have enough control to send that pass or send that shot off, you're not in control enough to call it a follow through. So while I get why there's a lot of people that don't like that penalty, it's probably one that you just go, ah, you don't like to take it. But it, in the IHF rule book, that's a penalty all day, unfortunately. Fair enough. Can't argue with that. Um, it was definitely an unfortunate thing, but I agree. You're you are in charge of your stick, and if it hits someone else in the face, uh, you're not allowed to do that. Um, anyway, Germany ends up tying it three three uh, with twelve twenty eight to go. Julius Sumpf actually giving the Germans a little bit more life, uh, but immediately following that, Germany took a slashing penalty. Canada gets a power play, and Jordan Dumas finally scores his first of the of the tournament on the the beautiful beautiful rebound and a great pass from Rakoff. Um, Rakoff had a heck of a game. Uh, actually, the whole game he was probably one of the one of the best players on Canada at least from at least from where I was sitting on my couch um Lutz and Bonk Bonk both go to the both go for the offsetting minors still 5-5 five, five. can you actually after we talk about this can you explain why the all double offsetting minors they're still doing 5 on 5 instead of 4 on 4 it's just an IHF rule that they put into the I don't know if it was this year or last year, but basically the reason they're doing it at the World Junior U18 and I think the men's level internationally is because they say that 
if you go to four and four, it automatically favors the more skilled um, higher end teams in the nations like Canada, US, Switzerland, or Sweden, uh, Finland, uh, even Slovakia. So if both guys are going off, why are you giving an advantage to one team? Leave it at five on five and and give the Germans a fighting chance in this in a game like that. So while I'm never one that says let's let's take away a chance for offense, I get it. Not a fan of it, but I get it. Right. Okay. Well, thank you for explaining it because they said it on the TV and I was like, well, that's kind of silly, but all right. Um uh Macklin Celebrino finally buries another one. Uh that ridiculous, just absurd angle shot. Like he's what, like eight inches from the goal line essentially? Like just it was like a David Beckham penalty corner kick. You know what I mean? Like it was just yeah. a just a silly angle. Um that with three fifty eight to go, second of the night for him, and then Germany pulls their goalie with three minutes to go, and then finally Easton Cowan getting a point. Thank goodness. Um, and putting the Canadians up six to three to ice the game. Um, all kinds of players getting all kinds of points tonight. Owen Beck getting uh, bearing his first of the tournament as well. All kinds of people getting goals that they definitely needed. So uh, Macklin Celebrini ends up getting like player of the game for the game tonight, which hard to argue with. He was far and away Canada's best player for the game. I would say probably on both ends of the ice. Yeah, he's he's been Canada's best player throughout the tournament, and they've been fortunate the last couple of years to have draft-eligible guys come in and be their best player. You don't have that every year. You don't get a Connor Bedard every year, and Macklin Celebrini certainly isn't Connor Bedard. Macklin Celebrini is Adam Fantilli, maybe. Um, and if Fantilli's given the role that Celebrini was this year, maybe he scores the way he did last year. Um, it It's tough because you you have guys up and down this lineup – uh, Fraser Minton, Easton Cowan, uh, two Leafs prospects. You have a guy like Matthew Poitras, who's playing the NHL for the entire season. Mm-hmm. Um, th- there's so many guys up in the Connor Geeky, who didn't play in this game, basically. Matthew Savoy, who was out with an injury. So many guys that should be the lead dog for this team that just haven't been there and haven't done it. And I mean, Jordan Dumais scores in this game, but before that goal even throughout this game, you could put up a missing persons poster for him because I haven't seen him in this tournament really. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's been tough because this Canadian team has guys. No one showed up, unfortunately, except for Celebrini. Celebrini has been fantastic at both ends of the ice. There's a reason he's probably going to go first overall this uh, June. And uh, if you're a team getting that first overall pick, you're going to be pretty happy about it. Yeah, definitely, definitely making an argument. It's funny. I uh, I was talking to Rachel Dory and Lauren Kelly recently about some of the players going into the tournament, and Lauren, who is a huge Owen Beck truther, uh, I imagine I imagine she is just over the roof with him getting his goal tonight. Macklin Celebrini definitely, even though he's not necessarily on the same caliber as Connor Bedard. I mean, how often do those players come along? Definitely. Definitely making a, a show of force, I, I like to say, um, in the tournament today, especially with all those, the other players that simply haven't capitalized on the opportunities that they have. Like, don't get me wrong, Fraser Minton played fine tonight. I think he had a couple of assists, but like, as the captain of the team, I was kind of hoping he would show up a little bit more, and it hasn't necessarily fallen that way, and it's a little bit unfortunate. There's still, you know, a little bit of tournament to go, but um, I think it feels a little bit like the Canadian team isn't 
isn't like if you look at it on paper and the number of people that have been drafted, it they should be playing so much better than they have been. And I don't know if it's just like if it's the time travel or if it's something in the Swedish water or what, but the Canadian team just hasn't been playing as well as as well as they should have. And there's no real like rhyme or reason to it. Now, obviously, when when players are able to come in and make good on those opportunities, Macklin Celebrini only improving his draft capital, even though it's, you know, easily the most inflated at this point on the Canadian team. It's, it's obviously unfortunate for someone like Connor Geeky, which I think is probably what we should talk about now, not getting the opportunity and, and being out in the first 11 seconds of the game. So let's talk, let's rewind the clock back to the beginning of that first period. Connor Geeky, the first note that I have of the game, absolutely crushes Schindler 11 seconds in. And on this side of the pond, North American hockey, we celebrate and we cheer and scream and we have tic-tac-toe mar like, clip that gif and we recycle that when we're feeling sad for ourselves but it's unfortunately I think the right call especially with you know what you said earlier about um, the IHF always siding on the side of safety that's a clean hit on NHL paperwork but there's a significant height difference between those two individuals and boy did Schindler get his list absolutely rocked my goodness yeah yeah it was an interesting one because I was talking to some people online and because I was complaining about Canada constantly just taking penalties after penalty. Right. And they were asking me with the Connor Kiki hit. And I went, listen, it's probably among the more gray area hits of the ones that have been penalized in this tournament and to have a player thrown out of the game. But the the differentiating factor, in at least in the IHF, with that hit is rather than tucking his arms and going through the player, he kind of explodes up into the player Hmm. leaves his feet just a little bit because he is exploding upwards and that's the difference i think if he tucks and goes through the guy there's not a penalty on that play not even like not even a two-minute minor so it's the explosion upwards i know he's taller if you're taller explode down on the guy crush him that way yep like you you have that throw your hips out man you can hit him with the team in your chest Exactly. Connor Geeky is a big boy. He can throw some hits. I've seen him throw some hip checks. He doesn't need to explode up into a guy's torso, up into his face, up into his head. That's why he gets the the penalty there. Is it the is it the best hit? Yeah, it's a great hit. You look at that in North American hockey, like you said, not penalized, probably celebrated. With that said, it's also just goes goes with the flow of Canada. Throwing that extra hit, trying to explode, trying to murder a guy on every hit, when you could just take him out of the play really quickly, go through him, you and then you probably have your momentum carrying you as well. So I don't love the hit. I don't hate the hit. It's gray area for me. But in the IHF, that's a penalty every time. Yeah, and the more they slowed it down, the more it was clear that the principal point of contact was the head. Well, regardless of whether or not it was intentional, the fact of the matter is you can't yeah. crank people on the noggin. It's just it's just not kosher, especially when it's like young kids. Like, don't get me wrong, I love a clean NHL hit as much as the next guy. And if I had my way, I would love for someone like Connor Geeky to come in and start a Leafs game just like that. Like, oh, it would be chicken soup for a Leafs fan's soul. But it's not the NHL. You can't play like that right now. And they, I'm glad, even though I don't like that they took him out of the game, I'm glad that they called that because you don't want that kind of thing happening, especially to young people. Like, even though Schindler yeah. got up and was able to play the rest of the game, thank goodness. Like, that's 
there's a significant height and size difference between those two people. And like you said, if you if you hit through or you throw your hips out and you throw a solid hip check and he flips over, maybe a minor, maybe. Worst case yeah. scenario. But instead you, and I can't help but feel like he was probably told before the game, like, hey, go out and make a statement. Let let our pressure feel known and let our who we are be known right from the beginning of the game. And he might have been all jacked up on goofballs and you go out, you make a silly decision, and you spend the rest of the game in the bleachers. Like, you know, ten minutes after the game starts, it's showing him like in a suit with the other the other players that aren't playing, like hanging out on their phones. Like I mean, I can't imagine there would be any supplemental discipline for that simply because of the timing that had happened in the game, right? Is that your guesstimation? Yeah, I think because it was such a gray area and because it happened 11 seconds of the game, he essentially got his one-game suspension already. Like, he got yeah. he got the, the, the punishment. I don't see anything coming from it. With that said, IHF is, is stingy. Mm-hmm. I think Macklin Celebrini's hit before the tournament was worse, and that probably should have gotten a one-game suspension. But so if that didn't get anything, this probably doesn't get anything either. There was actually, I, I unfortunately don't have it up right now, but there was somebody on tw- on X, sorry, not Twitter, I keep dead naming Twitter, um, that actually highlighted one of the, uh, on almost identical play in the United States game that was actually not even called like a single penalty. Yeah. Um, do you do you have the, the, the information and the hit I'm talking about? No, I. Okay. There's always a bunch of games that, that that happens, and that's why I said it's a gray area because I think a lot of times you see a hit like that, and you're like, "That's just a really good hit. That's a, a play yeah. that we love seeing." Um, like I said, if there wasn't that explosion upwards in his feet leaving the ice, I think that 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 explosion upwards and the feet leaving the ice are the two things that makes the 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 officials go, "We have to penalize this a little harder," because every other hit I've seen like that, for the most part. If the feet are leaving the ice, it's afterwards because of contact or something Mm -hmm. like that. It's not the guy exploding through the head. And I think that's the issue. It was, it was as as solid as a hit as I've seen in the last couple of days. That's, that's certainly for sure. Um, And even though, you know, Canada is able to come through and end up beating Germany, you know, credit where it's due, Germany held on right to the very end. And even when they pulled their goalie, I thought that there was a chance that they, that they score another one and bring it within two or bring it within one. So Definitely, definitely a good game. You have to be happy with with that game if you're a Germany fan. Even though now you do have to go face, I believe it's Norway, right, in the, the single relegation game on yeah. Thursday. Yeah. So so Germany will play Norway in the single relegation. That'll be an interesting game because Norway, although they haven't won any games this year, they've been feisty in every game, and I think that's not something that Germany can say. So it'll be interesting. I think uh, Germany will want to stay up, but Norway doesn't get the chance to stay up very often. So. They have a good team. They've got some good young players and guys that will be back next year. Maybe we see Norway stick around. It'd be it'd be pretty interesting. Yeah, I always love whenever like whenever teams that aren't don't necessarily get the same opportunities or don't always play as well as other teams do are able to come in and be like a dark horse. Like I love watching teams that no one thought was going to make it, like go and go and have a, a little bit of a mini run, even if nothing ever really comes of it, just because it's so good for like the culture in that in that country right like even germany the other day beating what was it like lat was it finland or latvia for the first time finland for the first time in like 27 years like even though you know germany now loses against canada like you got to be excited for the fact that your team was able to finally get that latvian monkey off its back right yeah well that's just it right like uh, there were some people calling out 
Uh, this tournament, as always, it happens every year where they should go down to eight teams because these bottom two teams are getting blown out and beaten up. Well, one of those teams is is Germany, who just had one of the biggest victories in their friend, in their club's history at the U20 level, beating Finland for the first time in 26 tries. Norway had the Americans, the favorite in this tournament, the, the biggest wagon in this tournament there is, scoreless through halfway through the second period. There's teams that are getting better. These Latvias, the Norways, the the Germanys. I mean, even we look a few years back, Slovakia wasn't doing what they're doing. Czechia, Czechia wasn't doing what they're doing. Yep. Now there's, I mean, even in a tournament without Russia, which obviously good reasons, you have six medal contenders that are legitimate. You have six teams that can go and get get a medal, compete for the gold, and be a really good team. So I, I don't know. In my opinion, you let this tournament stay 10 teams. You let those teams like Kazakhstan, who will be up next year after uh, they won the, the uh, second division tournament, uh, Belarus, another t- team that's been pretty good, Denmark. You have these teams coming up. It's just going to be about uh, – letting them get acclimated and letting them grow as uh, hockey programs because as we've seen with Canada, they're starting to close the gap a little bit. And it's awesome. Like, I totally agree with you in the fact that sometimes competition between teams that don't normally face off against each other is nothing but good. Like, there are times in life and in the world where stoking the fire of competition is a good thing. And with all of the stuff that's going on around the world right now, you know, not a necessarily always a bad thing to have a distraction like this where your team, you know, maybe your team isn't isn't able to go and win the gold every year, but you go further than you think you we're going to. You go further next year than you went this year. And then so on and so on. And you build steam and all of a sudden, you know, like you said, there are teams even now that five years ago, Slovenia, like they weren't, they were, they were being laughed off the ticket. And now there are people like buying those jerseys and like even Finland last year, who, who was able to elevate their game in Sweden, who won a few years ago. Like it's so good for the country and it gets more young people involved in the sport. And when the sport is already like kind of hard to get into because of how expensive it is and it doesn't feel very accessible for countries that aren't necessarily like, you know, hallmark or, or uh, marquee level countries when it terms, when it comes to hockey, when you think of like a classical hockey sense, some of the best players came from, countries that no one had ever come from until they came from there. Alice Sweden, right? How long were Swedes kept out of the game because no one would take them seriously? And then all of a sudden, Borja Solomon comes over and now the floodgates are open. And it's it's only a good thing. The more people that we can get from different places involved in the world, involved with hockey, the better our sport will be. That's just, I don't I'm sure you feel the same, but... Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Well, all good things, right? So... Let's talk about, should we do, make sure you get your questions in. We are going to do a mini press conference here in just a second. Um, You are watching Game Over International. We have Tony Ferrari from the Hockey News, the Drafts prospect analyst um we are very happy to have him on so please make sure you hit likes hit subscribe we are going to obviously have um a game over for the game against Czechia on tuesday after the game that starts at 8 30 in the morning i will be at work so i will not be able to watch but let's talk about the incoming second quarter round final uh that is coming up on tuesday morning what can canada expect from the Czechia team on tuesday morning here tony well, it's a rematch of last year's gold medal game. The, neither of these teams quite have the high, the the top end, the guys that, that were there last year doing what they were doing. 
But these are two very, very good teams that haven't quite figured it out yet, I think. it's It's been an interesting tournament for both of them. Czechia lost to Slovakia, lost to the United States, but they put up a fight. They pushed the United, they're the only team to push the United States to the overtime and, and really give them any trouble. They're a team that has Philip Mashar and all, all these really good players, or, or sorry, Yuri Kulich, not Philip Mashar, um, that are able to score goals. They, they are a team that has the ability to push Canada to its limits. As for Canada, they need to get their game together overall. They need to clean up some of that uh, missed passes. They need to clean up some of the miscues that they had in the defensive zone. They need their defensemen to play a little bit more responsibly and and become a bit more of a unit. There, it seems like five guys playing out there that haven't ever played together. It's like going to a beer league pickup game and, and starting off by throwing your sticks in the middle and now you're with five guys you've never played with. And, and that's what Team Canada looks like a lot of times. So they're going to have to refine things because Chechia plays like a very well-oiled machine when they're going. And, and they've been getting better as the tournament's gone on. So I I don't want to say it, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if Chechia could uh, take down Canada in the quarterfinals and, and keep them out of the medal conversation. It would certainly, it would be a huge thing for Czechia as a country and, and their fans to take down the Canadian Goliath because even though, like we've said basically this whole stream, Canada is not the team of years past where they are the far and away Vegas odds favorites. There are other teams that are making excellent arguments that they are going to be in the conversation for a gold medal. And even though I actually won't be able to watch that game because I think a lot of people will probably be at work, I imagine it's going to be um, a a firework filled affair if it is a similar kind of defensive structure that they play like they did tonight, because it was a, it was the defense had a tough game tonight. The Canadian defense had a tough, tough game this afternoon. I say tonight it's like four 30 and it's pitch black outside. My goodness. Um, it, it was definitely something where the more the game went on, like I said earlier, it felt like the Canadians just weren't able to, weren't able to have the the level of comfort that we've come to expect. It does, it does, it, it like you said, it felt like a beer league game where there was so much disconnect and, and so many missed cues and so many missed plays and so many passes that it just, they were just in the wrong area. And the Canada's got to clean that up if they have a, a hope of sniffing the metal podium this year, I tell you. Um, is there anything else that you want to talk about before we uh, sign off here, my friend? No, I think... Uh... Be careful if you're betting on Canada. That's all I'll say. Because uh, they've got a tough road ahead of them. Whether or not they beat Czechia, they're going to have a tough semifinal if they get there. And the, this Team Canada team is third, fourth, or fifth on the on the power rankings, if you will, at this point. Yeah, and and you know for that for Germany to have been in so far in the conversation, so far in the game. Um, you know, you have to you have to imagine, like I said, Germany fans are happy about that. But I imagine a lot of Canadian fans are not overly pleased with how the Canadians have shown up so far this season. Uh, I guess we will find out if uh, in the next probably 12 hours or 24 hours what the deal is going to be with Matt Savoy being out of the lineup. If there is going to be any secondary discipline for Connor Geeky, obviously we hope that there is not. Um, and if Mark, if uh, Fergus, is that his name? I can't remember if he's going to end up coming in or if Matt Savoy is going to stay out. And we will have all that news on not only the Hockey Knows, but I imagine we would get it out on SDPN as well. So if we do not have any questions, we're going to finish off here. Um, Tony, thank you for coming on. Where can everybody find you on Twitter, my friend? 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter, X, whatever you're calling it now, with the Tony Ferrari. Uh, that's where I'm out on all social media, social media, so you can find me there. Uh, all my works at the Hockey News. My quarterfinal preview should be out this afternoon. I finished it up during the Canada game. Extremely scared that Germany was going to mess everything up. So uh, thank you, Canada, for finally pulling through. I'm glad they didn't make you a liar. That's for sure. Um, yeah, so make sure you follow Tony on Twitter. Make sure you follow the Hockey News if you don't already. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Lauren in the Six and, of course, STPN as well. If you could hit like and subscribe. Loved having you here, Tony. Thank you for coming on. I know it was a little bit of a last-minute adjustment, but appreciate having you on. Let's go, Canada. Tuesday morning, 8.30 a.m. against Czechia. We will see if the Canucks can hold on and push through. Have a good night, everybody. Happy New Year.